Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Hare from Rochester in the UK, Chamat Kosandu from Toronto in Canada, and it is a big, big week of fights. UFC 272 is coming down the line from Paradise Nevada, better known as Sin City itself, Las Vegas. Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, and a whole lot of bad blood coming our way on Saturday night. But before then, we'll launch into the two events we just had this past weekend. And before that, Let's just have a quick catch up. Sandu, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm doing good. Uh, had a, a weekend off, a rare weekend off, Simon. Didn't work the, the BT Sport shift for the Islam Makachev Bobby Green fight because it was the wifey's birthday. So I uh, had some celebrations going on this past weekend. But I did carve out some time not only to watch that main event, which we're going to get into, but actually the day before on Friday, I ended up watching a bit of the Bellator card and uh, Gegard Masasi. I mean, what an absolute legend. And it was great because of the time zone difference. It was kind of like UK and Ireland, perfect, you know, prime time. And over here on the East Coast, it was like, what, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. So ended up working out fantastic for me. It's like watching a Premier League football match in the UK. Yeah. Three o'clock kickoff time. It's absolutely spot on. And uh, yeah, it certainly kicked off in the three arena. It was another outstanding atmosphere, another great night of fights. That place always delivers something. And Gegard Masasi delivered one of the best performances I've seen from him, to be honest with you, mate. He was absolutely superb. Needed just 85 seconds to put away a very talented, undefeated number one contender in Austin Vanderford. And that was his 58th career fight, Gegard Masasi. And I don't think he's ever looked better. I really don't. And even earlier today, he was interviewed by Ariel Helwani, lying down in his bed, typically chilled out as he likes to be. And, uh, He's, he was asked, well, how, how would you get on against Israel Adesanya? And you know what Gegard's like. He was like, ah, kick his ass. You know, I'll kick his ass. But the thing is, Gegard might just be the toughest middleweight matchup for Israel Adesanya right now because he's hit some sort of incredible late career surge. As I say, I've never seen him look better. And he is absolutely ruling the roost at 185 pounds of Bellator. They're running out of people to give him. He's absolutely cleaned them out. Yeah, I mean, he's 7-1 and one in Bellator. And if you combine his, you know, th- towards the end of his run in the UFC, combine that with his run in Bellator, he's 12-1. and one. That is insane form. And he's looking better and better. And even just what happened in Dublin from the walkout, Sweet Caroline, you know, he looks so nonchalant, typical gay god Masasi, gets the first round finish, just like everyone's just, you know, fawning over him. And especially the long-term MMA fans, you know, at this stage, Gegard's an absolute OG. And it's crazy to think that the UFC would absolutely love to have him slot right back in to their middleweight picture because you've got a dominant champion that's looking for fresh meat and fresh blood. And Gegard's essentially been a champion in every promotion but the UFC. But it looks like, according to Ariel Helwani and some of the tweets that he put out, it looks like Gegard's locked in for a good, solid six fights. So he's going to be with Bellator and good for them to have someone like Gegard around, especially for the European shows. He is a European fighter and he's headlined UFC shows in the past in Europe and, and obviously done the same now for Bellator. Just honestly, it's like one of those feel-good moments. When I look part, back at this past weekend, Simon, when I think about a feel-good moment, Gegard Masasi still doing the damn thing in 2022 and being a dominant champion now for Bellator is a feel-good moment for me. Yeah, I mean, I remember a few years ago when me and you were working relatively closely together on, on the beat on, on this side of the pond, Gegard wasn't getting a lot of love. He was fighting in the UFC. He was considered to be someone who was right there for a title shot, 
but they never gave him the opportunity. I think that he didn't really sell himself. He was considered a bit boring in front of the camera, which is almost laughable at this point because he's completely flipped uh, the script in that in that sense. And he started having a bit of fun with the UFC PR team at that point and doing some jokey things. And his personality started to come out. And I think he started to care a little bit less about how people see him. And now we're seeing the real gay guard. It's absolutely brilliant. But the one thing that has stayed high level has been his performances. He had a little bit of a wobble late on in his UFC career. He got finished by Uriah Hall and had a few little wobbles at that point. But since he's joined Bellator, it's been full steam ahead. He got beat by Rafael Lovato Jr. in a very, very close fight. A very close fight. That was a split decision in London. So that's why he's a two-time middleweight champion. You could argue that he didn't lose that fight and he should still just be on an incredible title reign. Instead, it's in two parts. But now he wants to be a multi-division champion. He wants to fight a light heavyweight and then maybe even fight at heavyweight. So the Gegard Masasi story after 58 fights is far from finished. But that wasn't the only big thing that happened at at Bellator Dublin, Bellator 275, as was. Great co-main event. I don't know if you got to see any of this, Sandu. One of the great female fights I've seen, certainly on this side of the pond, Sinead Kavanagh and Liam McCourt, absolutely leaving it all in the cage. Both of them very close to being finished at different stages within that fight. Liam McCourt looked like she was going to get finished in the first round. Then uh, Sinead Kavanagh, her knee was completely done in from the first round onwards, and it looked like she might not make it to the end, but that was an incredible fight as well, and kudos to to both women. That was one of the best female fights I've seen on this side of the pond. Yeah, I was kind of checking in and out of that fight, but what what I can say is that was the kind of quote unquote the people's main event. That was what everyone was buying their tickets for, and the atmosphere was absolutely electric, as you'd expect. I mean, at this at this point, you know, it's fair to say that pound for pound, the Irish fans are the best in MMA in terms of presenting an atmosphere, an electric atmosphere, on a consistent basis. Whether it's UFC, whether it's Bellator, Cage Warriors, it doesn't matter. You put on an MMA event there, they're going to come out, they're going to support their own, and they're going to put on a fantastic atmosphere. And it's it's credit to Bellator to continue to go back to that market because the UFC haven't been back there in such a long time, and Bellator have almost made it kind of their home away from home. And it's it's such a stark contrast when you see a Bellator event in, say, for example, the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut versus, say, for example, in Bellator. If I'm if I'm Scott Coker and Co, I'm trying to maybe put on five or six events in Dublin or in an Ireland because. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get a real good night. You're going to have Conor McGregor show up, and that's always good for a bit of PR and a bit of social media. So across the board, it's nothing but a win when Bellator go to Dublin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you've got the two fighters in the cage, and the third, the third actor in this play is that Dublin crowd. They are something special. Great event on Friday night, and that led us in nicely to Saturday night UFC Fight Night at the Apex. Islam Makachev taking on Bobby Green, who stepped in on two weeks' notice to replace the injured Benil Dariush. And the fight went the way that I think most people expected it to. Makachev taking Bobby Green down, getting himself into position, and then finishing the fight. Uh, he got it done via, via uh, TKO, but it was, it was a superb performance. And, uh, but the problem here, Sandu, is... Does that advance him that much? You know, there was a load of people saying, oh, he must get a title shot off this. I'm like, how has he advanced from that fight? That's 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 my argument. And this is nothing against Islam whatsoever. 
it's just a victim of circumstance. He doesn't, his stock doesn't improve from that fight. It's just, yeah, you've shown us what you've shown us in your last five or six performances. You still haven't beaten a top contender yet. So it really is interesting to see where he goes from here. I know you tweeted out about the, uh, you know, the bookies are already putting out odds for him and Charles Oliveira. And I, I quote tweeted you saying that the disrespect from the odds maker to Charles Oliveira is is something else because Isa Makachev is good. He's very good, but we don't know how good yet because he hasn't faced an elite level opponent, like a truly top of the milk elite level opponent. He hasn't faced one yet. Dan Hooker is as close as he's had, but he hasn't faced anyone who's challenged for a belt. He hasn't faced anyone who's won a belt. So it, it is still a bit of an unknown. So to see him with such big favoritism from the bookmakers, I thought was a bit of a, a bit of an eyebrow raiser for this, for this wizened old hack on this side of the pond. I tell you what, you can call it disrespect. Uh, and in many ways it perhaps is, but another way of looking at it is if you're a Charles Oliveira fan, or if you're just a fan of putting some money down and getting insane odds, then there you go. They just, they just served it to you on a silver platter because Charles Oliveira, and this is all again hypothetical. These are potential, these are future odds. For him to open up as such a massive underdog is incredible to me. But let's go back to what you brought up and what we're here to discuss, and that's Islam Makachev, right? 10 fight win streak, Simon. It's insane. He's only in good company with, with champions around him. 10 fight win streak for Islam Makachev, 10 fight win streak for Alexander Volkanovsky, the 145 pound champion 10 fight win streak for charles Oliveira, who we just talked about lightweight champion in the ufc and the only guy ahead of both those uh, all three of those lads is the welterweight champion kamar usman who's on a 15 fight win streak so i think you know we know there's many ways to quote unquote earn a title shot you could be a draw you could be just taking out everyone ranked ahead of you and all the other top contenders sometimes it just comes down to an incredible win streak, just showing up, just turning up. Don't forget, he was supposed to fight Benil Dariush. It's not his fault that Benil had to pull out. And you know, credit to Bobby Green for stepping in lastminute.com there. But all Islam can do is, you know, sign the contract, show up on the date that he's supposed to and compete. I thought it was a fantastic performance. It's reminding everyone that he is almost the the second coming of Khabib, Khabib's protege, Khabib 2.0. But in many ways, Islam has taken what Khabib did and in many ways he's almost a few steps ahead of Khabib in terms of his English, his media, the way he's able to conduct interviews and yes he doesn't have the perfect record that Khabib had but you know he's already got I think more finishes in one less fight that Khabib had at this stage of Khabib's career so when you kind of stack them up side by side Islam's you know on track right now uh, to really build an incredible legacy obviously the one thing he hasn't done yet is fight top contenders and obviously become a champion in the UFC. But my goodness, if you ask me, it's only a matter of if and not when that I think we'll see Islam Makachev as a UFC lightweight champion. Does that come up against Charles Oliveira? Who knows? Even if he was to fight Oliveira and lose, I think at some point, at some stage of his career, we're going to see that gold belt wrapped around his waist. And I think he's got all the the um the credentials and he's got all the the, the entire skill set and in in addition to that the right team behind him you got Javier Man- Mendez AKA DC Khabib the Dagestani crew it's like he looks like a champion in the making to me Simon 
Oh, I am absolutely 100% with you on that. I do think he will be at some point in his career, the UFC. Well, he will be a UFC champion. Will it be lightweight? Will it be welterweight? He's a big lad at 155 pounds. It really struck me when he's standing next to Bobby Green at the weigh-ins, just how big he is at 155. And he's an absolute monster. And even he said during his post-fight press conference, he was asked about potentially moving up to welterweight at some point in his career. He sort of said, you know, getting to 155 is hard work, even for someone at this stage in his career. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with him. The UFC's lightweight division is always absolutely stacked with talent. And the question now is, who does he fight next? Does he get a title fight next? Does he have to fight a contender next? You might have some breaking news on this in terms of who we might fight next. Well, crazy, crazy situation. And it all happened, well, it all started on Ariel Helwani's MMA Hour show where Rafael Fiziev is out of this weekend's co-main event against Rafael Dos Anjos. And now everyone and their mother has essentially thrown their name into the hat. Like, I can't even keep up. If you looked at social media today, Simon, there is a tree. You've got Paul Felder. You've got, you've got this whole list of names that are just willing to throw their name into the hat to take him on. And in the mix, Islam Makachev, the guy we just spoke about. Wow. I mean, that would be incredible. If he was to go from winning a fight night headliner this past weekend, turning around within, what, seven days? That's got to be some sort of UFC record or, or definitely in the mix into a co-main event slot, no less. And let's be honest, whether we agree or disagree that he should get a title shot next, there's good reason to think that he may have already earned his title shot. He could just sit back and just wait for things to play out between Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje and then maybe fight the winner later on this year. But no, he's like tweeting at RDA saying, we've got unfinished business. And if you're up for it, how about we do it at 170 pounds? And again, I think by the time people listen to the podcast, Maybe this is all old news. Maybe things have moved on. But as of right now, as we're recording this, that is the absolute latest, that RDA is looking for an opponent. It looks like he's going to stay on the card. A lot of fighters have thrown their name into the hat. And Islam Makachev has literally set MMA Twitter on fire by saying he's up for it. He is up for it. And if he was to do this, Simon, that would be one of the most gangster moves ever because not only is RDA one of the best in the world, former champion, but then he ticks that box. Everyone's talking about Islam Makhtar not fighting a real top contender, legitimate top guy. Well, here you go. And if he was, if this fight goes down, Simon, this weekend, right? First of all, wow, we've already, we've already got an incredible main event. That co-main event all, all of a sudden gets a lot more juicier. And if Islam is able to do the business against RDA, wrap it up, lock it in. He should be fighting for the title next. No, no question about it. Yeah. Islam Makhtar versus RDA, for those who aren't fully familiar with the backstory, this is rapidly becoming... Islam Makachev's equivalent of the Khabib, Tony Ferguson situation. These guys have been booked to fight three times and three times the fight has fallen through. Imagine that this fight actually happens this weekend on a seven day turnaround, short notice, RDA on a full fight camp, ready to go. Islam Makachev off the back of an absolute, absolutely dominant one round finish. On his, on his last performance just a week earlier. He goes and beats RDA, there can be no doubt. And maybe that's the thinking. Maybe he's thinking, well, I've beaten Bobby Green. There's still question marks. I'm going to have to wait another three to six months to get an opponent because whoever wants to face me is going to want three to six months to prepare. I'm not going to get a title fight until the end of the year. 
or I'm 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 fit, I'm fresh, I'm ready to go, I'm in form, and a former world champion is sitting there telling Ariel Helwani that he needs to fight this weekend. If you haven't seen the interview with RDA with Ariel, check it out. Basically, he's moving to Brazil. He's just sold his house. He's basically hanging on in his house until this weekend's fight is out of the way, and then he's off to Brazil. They can't put him back any further. Otherwise, he's completely out of the mix as well. He wants to fight this weekend. The UFC will want to have a fight in that co-main event stock because it's an okay card, but that co-main fight really did add some extra extra juice to that fight card, The uh, what I called the Rafael Derby, uh, Rafael Fizia versus Rafael dos Anjos. They've lost that fight, unfortunately. Blimey. You put a welterweight or even a 165-pound catchweight fight versus, you know, Makachev versus RDA. That's absolute dynamite. Both fighters get to face someone that they have prepared for in the past. That's the other thing. For a short-notice fight, normally it's an unknown quantity at some some way, but both these guys have prepared for each other at least two, maybe three times already. They know what they're going into. All they're saying is, let's remove the weight cut from the proceedings, put us on the card, let's throw down. I mean, it might not be five rounds, maybe it's a three-rounder, but yeah, that would just be absolute, as you say, gangster move if they make this happen. And if he goes and beats RDA, then there, I think any argument that I just had at the start of this podcast is rendered completely, completely mute because he goes in, beats RDA on a week's notice, put him to the front of the queue, he's next. And uh, what an incredible story that would be. Yeah, and like we said, if this is a, a developing story, nothing is finalised just yet, but something to monitor. I'm sure the UFC would have to put something out fairly soon. I'm sure they're in the war room right now, making falls to agents and managers and fighters and trying to get this all done. But yeah, it's it's an incredible... I don't know why this always tends to happen, Simon, especially when there's like a big pay-per-view. There's always a bit of a plot twist sometimes the week of the fight. And uh, every time it happens, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's one of the unique things about MMA that uh, I guess we kind of enjoy because it's, it gives us something to talk about, something, something that's new and fresh and gets the fan base rattled up and fired up and, and interested. And yeah, it's just uh, it's a very interesting aspect of the sport when last minute fights are, are changed, swapped around and fall out and you get you know people and, and fighters like Iza Makachev looking to be an absolute hero, an absolute darling to, to MMA Twitter, the fact that he'd step up, would just, he just he's already, even just putting that tweet out, even if the fight doesn't happen, Simon, the fact that he's put that out there is a great bit of PR because now everyone just has much more respect for him. And yeah, let's see how this all plays out. Yeah, and he, he might not need any kind of medical clearance from the last fight. I'm not sure Bobby Green landed a glove on him in that fight. So it's not like he took a load of, a load of damage either. So... He's good to go. He is absolutely good to go. He's in. The, he's still in Vegas, I understand, or he's still in the States. So the only issue is the weight cut. If that's all fine, then let's see it happen. Make it happen, Uncle Dana. Make it happen. But um, that would be the co-main event because the main event, Sandu, is one of those fights that just gets your gets your sense, your spidey senses going. It gets the, the anticipation ahead of time. You know, you go into a pay-per-view fight week. We're recording this on a Monday. And I'm already very, very excited about this main event. Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal, two guys who we've covered extensively in the past, two guys we've both spoken to in the past, and two guys who have been right at the top of the sport at 170 pounds over the course of the last couple of years or so. 
but formerly good mates check out the ufc countdown show they did a really good job of telling that story and really taking you along the timeline of their friendship how they came up together through the ufc world to weight division and then where the rift happened and then how they split up and went apart and went their separate ways and now they're going to throw down inside the octagon in an absolutely massive grudge match i'm buzzing for this one what what are your what are your way too early thoughts as we as we kick off this fight week, Sandu, because this is this is a good one. This I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, first thing I want to co-sign is that countdown show because I watched it earlier today, and you're right, it is absolutely fantastic. And if I'm being honest, I don't feel like a lot of the digital content the UFC tends to put put out, like countdown shows and and embeddeds, are really for me anymore these days. I kind of know what the storylines are, and I kind of know what to pay attention to. But if you're just a casual fan or don't really know the the ins and outs of what's happened here between Colby and, and Jorge, it's fantastic. They've really knocked it out of the park. And you know, most of the time it's a little cookie cutter, it's copy and paste, the same old, same old. They really put on a good one here, put in, some, put in a shift and put some effort into this countdown show. So definitely uh, co-sign and want to recommend for people to check that out. I'm buzzing, Simon. These are the fights you know that I look forward to the most of the year because it's the one that moved the needle the most like you know sometimes and, and this is a prime example of why fights like this i think should happen more often in the ufc we don't need title fights all the time we don't need double title fights and triple title fights and all the, all the rest of it like if you've got a good story to tell if there's an emotional investment from the fighters and the fans make it happen we don't it's few and far between but they've absolutely nailed Bring this fight on because it's one that's been bubbling for a long time like you said and it's a bit it's a bit of a bit of a crossroads moment i think for both fighters coming into this one simon you know colby's had two cracks at kamar usman the ufc welterweight champion he's failed jorge masvidal has had two cracks at ufc welterweight champion kamar usman he has failed and so both these guys their last two losses have been to the best 170 pound of in the world and now it's like okay how do we get back on track the winner will be back on track. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean the winner is going to go on to fight with the title again, but the winner will definitely, you know, be in the mix at the top end of that division. The loser, I don't know where the loser potentially goes from here, Simon. You know, Jorge, if he loses, perhaps could stick around and see if he can figure out a way to get a Leon Edwards fight at some point down the road. That's the only one that would be you know, one with a compelling story and a backstory to tell, I guess, right? And for Colby Covington, if he loses, I mean, what do you do? Do you go Do you go up in a way? I mean, we'll obviously have to break that down post-fight because there, there will be a loser and there obviously will be a winner. But in terms of just my personal interest, I'm absolutely buzzing. You know, like the fans are going to be eating this up all week long. The press conference, these two lads are going to be on hot mics. And I don't even think that the media will need to lay the groundwork or plant any seeds or give them any low-hanging fruit. I think these two are going to be just jawing at each other from the moment that press conference begins. Then we're going to get, obviously, numerous face-offs from the press conference to, to the... All that, all those assets we're going to see on our social media feeds this week. It is going to keep building us up, building us up, building us up. And then, obviously... It's going to be an absolutely packed arena. The fans are going to be loving it. And obviously, Colby's got his fan base. Jorge's got his fan base. There's that whole story with American top team and Colby kicked out, leaving, however you want to call it. 
But yeah, this is great, Simon. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's so refreshing to talk about a big, massive blockbuster pay-per-view headliner that has got nothing to do with a championship. It's a rare thing. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing as well. It is. And I, I'm thinking about this fight, like on paper, I think Colby's probably got the edge on paper. I think he's the younger fighter. He's He's got fewer, like, I think this is his 29th fight or something. This is going to be Jorge Masvidal's 51st professional fight. That's mad, isn't it? Fif- yeah. When we talk about Gago Masasi, he's had a few fights. He's had a lot of fights. But Jorge Masvidal, 51st professional fight. I think if Masvidal can stay calm and cool and collected, he can get this one done. But I think if you lay out on on paper what Colby has, what Colby has, what Colby brings to the table, I think if he can control his emotions going into this, he has the tools to do the job. The question is, who can really dictate where this fight goes? Because if Jorge keeps this fight standing, it's going to be Jorge's power against Colby's gas tank. Because Colby will stand and just keep pushing forward for the whole time. But I do think he's going to go back to the Colby Covington that we saw pre Kamaru Usman, where he just one, two, shoot in, one, two, shoot in, and just push the action against the fence. It might not be the prettiest fight to watch. If he goes at it in the same way that he went at the Kamaru Usman fights, where he looked to stand up and overpower him and just overwhelm him with strikes, then we could be in for an absolute barn burner. And I really hope and pray that that is the Colby Covington we get. The problem is, Sandu, Colby Covington, as you say, has lost two out of his last, was it two out of his last three? And uh, Jorge's lost his last two. There is that element in the back of both both guys' minds that they've got to go with what's gotten to the dance. Now, for Jorge, it's been go out there and sleep people in spectacular fashion. So that's fine from a fan standpoint. For Colby, it's been a little less crowd-pleasing. It's been a little bit more rough around the edges. It's been a little bit more get your man against the cage, double-leg him, take him down, and just sap the man's gas tank. I remember his win over RDA was just an absolute pummeling. And I think that's probably what he's going to be looking for on fight night against Jorge Masvidal. But yeah, the emotional side of things is going to be the really interesting to see because you look at Masvidal and I think a lot of people will look at him and think, wow, you know, is he, is he, is he going to keep his emotions? But he's the most cold eyed killer I've seen in the cage. Like you think that, you know, the Ben Askren fight all lead up to that. Ben was just, just jabbing at him the whole time, the whole time. He just stayed nice and cool and calm. And when it came to fight night, he did what he needed to do. He did it very quickly. But I've never really seen Masvidal, other than when he went for Leon Edwards backstage, I've never seen him really lose his composure. So I'm interested to see how this one goes because there is a lot of legitimate bad blood between these two. And it's who's pushing whose buttons. I'm going to be looking forward to seeing how that plays over the course of the week. Is it going to be Colby really trying a little bit too hard to get under Masvidal's skin? And is Masvidal just going to be talking to him like the sort of the cold eye killer that he seems to come across as? Or is it going to be a case of Colby getting under Gamebred's skin? I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing it. But what it means is this isn't just about the fight. The fight week itself is going to be must-see TV as well, and I'm absolutely buzzing for it. Give us a way too early prediction, Sandu. If you're if you're slapping your money down at the bookies, I've given you 20 quid of my hard-earned cash and say, go win me some money, mate. Wait. What are you going to do with it? Don't say put it on a different fight. <laughs> nah, I mean, I'll answer the question. It's an honest question. I'll try to give you an honest answer. I feel like when I think about this fight, 
you've got who's the better striker, Jorge Masvidal, right? Who's the better wrestler, Colby Covington? Who's got the endurance and the cardio to go hard for 25 minutes? Most likely you're going to be picking Colby Covington in that department. Who can handle the big stage and the mind games? And, and maybe they both can. They've been in the big spotlight with Kamaru Usman. And you know, talk about how this week may play out. How much of it is real, Simon? How much of it is for show? Who knows, right? But if you're asking me a prediction, I feel like I'm just slightly leaning towards Colby Covington by decision specifically. I, I feel like this could be one of those fights that may be tentative early on. And I, th- I think Colby may have to resort to his wrestling because I feel like if he tries to trade with Jorge, he could get clipped. And then again, we just saw Jorge get absolutely blasted by Kamaru Usman not too long ago in one of the knockouts of the year in 2021. Has Colby improved his striking? Is he going to show us something, a new level, a new layer to his game? So we'll see. But man, this is this is such a massive fight for both guys. and the um the energy and the atmosphere and the emotions when bruce buffer is introducing them both is going to be just out of this world i can't wait and we'll see if i'm right simon and we'll see if i'm right because i'm thinking colby covington by decision but uh let's see what happens who knows i think that's probably where the smart money's going to go colby by decision but I do have a sneaking suspicion we might see something a little bit special from Jorge this weekend. I, I've just, every now and again, I get these little, I get these little hunches where I think, okay, we're going to see something a little bit crazy, a little bit out of the ordinary, and I've got a feeling that we might just see a little bit of that from Gamebred this weekend. I am so buzzing for this fight. Um, I think if you force me to pick, I'd, the sensible head on me would pick Colby, but if you put me at a betting window, I'd probably go for uh, go for Jorge because you. There's there's too much value on Jorge by by TKO or KO, so I'd probably do that if I was in front of a of a sports book right now. But if I'd pick in, I'm probably picking the. We've uh, had a, the we've got a bet. we've got a little bit of a, an update with regards to the up in the air co-main event situation, Simon. So again, Ooh, like, like we said earlier on, this is a developing story. So Islam Makachev had gone at RDA and said 170 pounds. Well, RDA has replied to him, Simon and said, I'm game, but £165, the division you guys created. Lovely bit of uh, shade there from RDA. I love that line. But it looks like he's in, but he wants it £165. So the plot thickens. And of everyone that was chirping up today, the only guy that RDA responded to was Islam. So let's see, man. This This could go in a million different directions, but... Both guys want it. It's just a question of figuring out now a weight class that works for them both and the UFC sending out contracts, but it's trending in the right direction at the moment, Simon. Oh, don't 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 get me too excited because if this doesn't happen, I'm gonna be sad now. It's 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 such a good fight to make. And, and yeah. It would have been a, it would have been a good fight with a with a fight camp. But given the circumstances, this is like MMA Christmas if we get this added to the fight card. It would be it would be something very, very special. We know the main event is going to be an absolute banger. The fight that is currently listed as the co-main event in the absence of the RDA fight is Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell. That would be an interesting fight. Two guys really looking to push the envelope at 145 pounds. Bryce, of course, unbeaten, 14-0, and 0, and as pure a grappler as you could find in MMA right now. That is his entire game, and he's up against 
probably the purest striker you could find. This is like a real throwback fight, Sandu. Edson Barboza, pure striker. Bryce Mitchell, pure grappler. Who wins this? I mean, the smart money has got to be on Bryce, right? He's He's got the ability to just shut you down and take the fight down to the ground. And once he's got you down, he's he's so tough to get off again. Um, he hasn't had a finish in a little while. We had that twist to finish and then he's had a few decisions, but they have been pretty dominant. So can he do it to Edson Barboza or will Barboza just light him up with those strikes? I'm looking forward to watching that one unfold as well. Yeah, anyone that's been listening to this podcast for a while knows that I do not like to go against an undefeated fighter because they haven't given me a reason to doubt them. And Bryce Mitchell, man, 14-0, undefeated, nine wins by submission, five by decision. So he's not one that kind of gets in the ground a pound or knocks anybody out, but his his ground game is ridiculous. And the amount of triangle chokes he's got and rear naked chokes he's got on his record is insane. But you're right. He's been going to decision a lot lately, and maybe that's because there's been a step up in competition, right? Maybe that's because the the opponents have been able to figure him out a little bit and can cancel his strong points. Who knows? And to be honest with you, Simon, Edson Barboza not too long ago, I thought was kind of having a bit of a, a career resurgence. But looking at the form guide now, lots of L's, lots of losses on his on his record. He's coming off a, a brutal TKO loss to, to Giga Chikadze. And again, a department I don't think he needs to worry about when it comes to Bryce Mitchell. But I do feel like this is something, this is a fight that Mitchell can win, whether it's a, another submission or whether it's a decision. I'm probably leaning towards decision here. I can see Bryce Mitchell winning. And then let's see if he gets uh, a bit of airtime, Simon. Let's see if he if he does win, if they give him the opportunity to speak to Joe Rogan in the post-fight um, interview situation. Because as as everyone knows now, very dicey, dicey interview with Ariel Helwani. It rubbed people the wrong way. I thought Ariel obviously did a fantastic job conducting that interview. But, you know, Bryce Mitchell has his views on, on, on politics in the world and, and what have you. And a lot of people, you know, don't seem to agree with that. And it's, it's interesting for him to inject that narrative at this stage of his career. Because prior to that interview, I think everybody was really pro Bryce Mitchell and you know, he was a bit of a fan favorite, obviously, with the whole camouflage shorts and all the rest of it. So I'm curious to see the kind of reception he gets moving forward from fans and how that can can be, I guess, maybe even used and parlayed into his fight career because he's going to be talked about whether you, you know, agree or disagree with regards to the narrative that he's now presented in terms of his, his worldview. But another interesting story to, to, to pay attention to but when you put that aside, a fantastic matchup, and and I do expect Bryce Mitchell to win. Doug Nasty. Yeah, I think I think the smart money again will be on him. Anybody looking to back Edson Barboza and looking for a reason to back Edson Barboza, you mentioned there's a fair few L's on his recent record. He's lost four of his last six. One of the wins, however, came against Makwan Amekani, who obviously uh, based over here in Europe, but he in terms of his fighting style, he's very much a grapple-first fighter. He looks to close the distance on you. He looks to get you to the mat as quickly as possible. Um, and he's got outstanding wrestling, great takedowns, very relentless in his in his fighting style. That, I think, is a, is a fight that they would have been leaning on quite heavily in, uh, in Edson Barbosa's training camp, seeing where the successes were in that fight and looking to drill those and replicate those ahead of a fight with Bryce Mitchell because Bryce is going to be every bit as relentless as Mac one was. And uh, it's going to be, you know, the key to victory for him is to keep the fight upright. If he keeps the fight upright, then this could, uh, this could get very interesting. 
if it goes to the mat, it's going to be all thug nasty. And uh, yeah, the point about the interviews is, is a very interesting one. The one thing about Bryce is he certainly isn't doing anything for clicks. He certainly isn't doing anything to get his name out there. This is just Bryce being himself. And if you like it, all power to you. If you do not like it, then then obviously that is that is completely up to you as well. But this is not a guy who is trying to put a persona out there. Um, and uh, we've seen a few people get on the microphone in the past and uh, not endear themselves to fans. And uh, we're going to see one of them in London in a couple of weeks' time, uh, Cody Durden. That did not go well for him um, after he beat Chinese opposition and had some not very nice things to say. So, yeah, interesting to see how that all goes down. Other interesting fights on this card. Kevin Holland, Alex Oliveira is on that main card. Sergey Spivak, who may not be the biggest name in the heavyweight division, is a really tricky customer is welcoming Greg Hardy back to the UFC heavyweight division. Greg obviously looking to recover after some uh, some surgery and some and, and some pretty pretty heavy defeats. That main card's not too shabby at all, but uh, there's some decent stuff on the undercard as well. Lots to get stuck into this weekend, Sandu. Is there anything that leaps off that fight card that you're particularly looking forward to watching uh, prior to the main card and the whole Barbara O'Reilly thing that kicks it all off? You know what? I have to say that early prelim card... Brian Boom Kelleher against Umar Namagomedov. I mean, it's a Namagomedov, right? You have to pay attention, especially in the UFC. So, so yeah, I think I think that's one. And I'm also kind of curious to see um, Marina Moroz against Maria Agapova as well. So Mar- Marina Moroz obviously is someone you know we've covered for a long time, uh, going back to the the European circuit with the UFC. She and the reason I'm looking forward to that one is obviously she is Ukrainian. Um, and obviously with, with everything that's happening right now in, in Ukraine, I'm, I'm curious to see, and I'm interested to see how she approaches fight week, her walkout, her performance. If she's looking to make a statement, will they give her the opportunity to say something? And I'm sure it's going to be an emotional week for her. Just, you know, I'm sure her thoughts are back at home when you're seeing all these other combat sports, you know, athletes that you've got the, the Klitschko's, you've got Lomachenko taking up arms in Ukraine. So, so yeah, from a, I guess, a geopolitical point of view, I, I have an eye on that fight as well. Yeah, and from a from a bad blood point of view, her and Maria Agapova do not get on at all. This is a fight that both of them have wanted for a while. We're talking about a grudge match in the main event. Trust me, there's every bit as much bad blood in that women's flyweight fight. So uh, that will definitely be one worth watching. And I'll point out the very first fight of the night, Sandu. Mikhail Alexichuk versus Dustin Jacoby. That could deliver one of the best fights of the night. Two guys at light heavy who love to stand and bang. Alexi Chuk is the king of the body shots. Absolutely loves going to the body. Dustin Jacoby, superb kickboxer. Great all-round striker. That will be a candidate for fight of the night for as long as it lasts. This fight card has got so much quality in it. I'm really looking forward to it. But it really is all about that main event and possibly a very intriguing co-main if we get a bit of developing news before before fight night but uh it's going to be a fun event we'll be all over it and we'll be back next week to talk about it all but uh before we sign off sandu how can everyone get involved and stay in touch with us over the course of the week go to the britpackmma.com web- website that's the britpackmma.com uh from there you can find my social handles simon's social handles you can find the britpack twitter account we're available on spotify and apple podcasts and if you've got 15, 20 seconds, we'd really appreciate it. 
if you can rate and review us. I, I know every podcast always asks that from their listeners at the end of their shows, but it honestly really helps us because when you do that, it helps the show get promoted on the various algorithms. And now both Spotify and, and Apple give you the opportunity to rate and or review. So if you can do either or both, great, fantastic. And do check out our YouTube channel. It's um, something that we are very passionate about. We're continuing to do a lot of testing and doing some work on the background to make sure when we do go to YouTube and go to go to video proper, that it's the, um, you know, it's, it's, it's to our, the standards that we expect of ourselves. And um, so, yeah, if you can go to the YouTube channel now, subscribe, all of the, the shows are also there in audio format. So even if you just enjoy listening to the show via YouTube, you can do that as well. And Simon, I'm going to London. I'm coming back to the UK after three years uh, in a couple of days. So I'm looking forward to meeting up with friends and family and seeing you hopefully in person, covering UFC London, having a bit of time off. I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to go to Nando's. I'm expecting five or six. But yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to, to coming back home for, for the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great having you back over and Nando's will definitely have to be uh, involved at some point. But yeah, fight night in London is always a little bit special. It's great to get some of the band back together. And uh, you never know, maybe we'll try and record a little bit on the ground at some point while we're there. But uh, yeah, that's for another day. We've got a big pay-per-view coming up this weekend. UFC 272 is a banger. Hope you guys enjoy it. We will catch up with you next week.